Hello and welcome to YHTV's nominated show, Magical Medical Tour. This is episode 102. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Christina Suzuma, and with me is our wonderful medical guide, Dr. Glenn Woolman. Greetings, Dr. Woolman. <laughs> <laughs> Greetings, everybody. Welcome to Magical Medical Tour. I'm Dr. Glenn Woolman. I'll be your host along with Christina today as we travel through another quadrant of the healthcare galaxy in search of optimal health. Exciting day today, Christina. Oh, yes. Every day is yeah. exciting. I mean, there's something yeah. shifting in the air right now that is just making things move quickly. <laughs> mm. <laughs> We're going to be speaking with Anatara today, and all of you that watch this show and are familiar with Yoga Hub know that Anatara has been part of the uh, virtual conferences. She has her own show, Flowing Into Awareness. Uh, so many things that we're going to be talking about today. But today we're focusing on her aspects of intuition and healing. And in past episodes uh, with Dr. Deidre Mann's episode 55, we spoke about her healing uh, from a cancer. And we learned from her as a doctor of physical therapy and a Pilates instructor and the director of Monarch Wellness Group, what was important in healing. And for her, it had to do with knowledge and support groups. We also talked with uh, Lon Winston, the artistic director of uh, Thunder River Theater Company in episode 35. Uh, he's also an actor, a playwright, and a director. He had many bouts with cancer, and he taught us about the possibilities of uh, healing with uh, knowledge and with support groups and with humor. And today we're going to be talking with Anatara about healing and intuition, not only from the point of view of what is intuition and understanding it, but also how she used it in her own healing. But before we do that, Christina... Yes. Well, anytime during this show, whether if you're watching it online, just feel free to ask a question or make a comment simply by scrolling down on your screen and make sure you click submit. We will make sure that your uh, question or comment is uh, uh, shared with uh, our guest or Dr. Woolman. And if you're listening to this on a podcast, which many of you do now, um, give us a call at 818-LET'S-TALK, 818-LET'S-TALK. And again, we will relay your message and get back to you if you leave us your contact information. Thank you, Glenn. Well, you're welcome, Christina. And I just want to encourage people to get in touch with us. Uh, we're always interested in what you're thinking about and your comments for our shows and how we can uh, make them more interesting and enlightening for you. So, today we're going to be speaking with Anatara. She's life awareness counselor and a master intuitive. And I would like to just start immediately by saying hello, Anatara. <laughs> hello, Glenn. Hi, nice to see you today. Hi. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, this is like the whole group here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> now she's crested almost every show. Or the original shows. <laughs> really? Yay. Congratulations, Anatara. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's so good. Anatara, as the medical guide, I usually like to tell our listeners and viewers uh, the path that I hope we uh, venture on today, knowing that uh, it may go off in different directions, <laughs> and I have no control. But I want to start... Uh, a little bit learning about you, although everybody can go to all your other shows and learn about you. But then I want to talk about intuition itself 
and how that works in healing. And then we want to get into uh, an episode that you had where you became fairly sick and needed to go through a healing process and how you went about that. We're always trying to uh, give our listeners ways to help healing. And many times it's about going to the right healer, but also there are things that people can do for themselves. And that's what we want to touch on today. And at the end, I want to have, I want you to offer us a little course, uh, Intuition 100. (laughs) (laughs) Not 102? (laughs) Not 102, yeah. That's that's watching flowness flowing into awareness. But uh, just a little bit of ideas of how people can start to improve their own intuition or learn what they need to to use it as an aspect of a, each person's healthcare plan. How does that sound to you, Anatara? It, it sounds wonderful, Glenn. Just Excellent. wonderful. Excellent. So let's start with your beginnings. And I want to talk about the influences uh, from your parents and where you lived and what got you into healing, being okay. a healer. Okay. Um, I would first say that I think I was always a healer and always believed that I could heal. I could heal myself. I watched it happen when I was a child. But we'll get into that later. Um, My uh, my influences, my parents were both born in rural southern Ontario, farming country. One was the son of a barber. One was the son of um, uh, the daughter of a just a regular farmer who believed very strongly in human nature and in the power of the people, let's say. He was instrumental in the very, very beginning of what we call in Canada the the National Democratic Party. It's it's the party that believes in listening to one another, to cooperating and and to to creating creating politics and political making political decisions that matter for the people. Mm. So so that that I know has been very instrumental, and I used to I used to listen to him as a tiny child. He actually scared me because he was so tall and so big, and his voice was so deep. But he really, I could see in my mother how that mattered, how it really mattered that we would all work together to treat each other equally, and that definitely flowed over into the way I I, I looked at myself and who I wanted to be. The uh, my mother was put through medical school during World War II in two and a half years. Graduated as a tiny, tiny woman at, at the age of twenty-two and a half, and went right into into you know being a, a full full-on physician. She, my father was an engineer. They moved from Southern Ontario to Boston. My father to teach at MIT. To my mother to work with um, doctors and in psychiatry and neurology at Harvard. So I I was always close to the medical profession. I grew up playing in hospitals. The, the the nurses and the staff and even the hairdressers, they were they were people that looked after my sisters and I when my mother went to work. And we were always taken into the into the hospital rooms of her of her some of her um, neurological patients, some people with MS and other sort of brain tr- difficulties. Um, she took us there to meet them, to see them, to bring them light, to bring them, you know, a sense of there is something bubbly out there in the world. Uh, and you know, when people now say, "Oh, I just hate hospitals," I say, "I love hospitals." Mm. <laughs> when when I have to go to a hospital now, I feel myself as part of the part of the essence of what keeps it flowing and what keeps it moving. And 
And I, I would also, I also think that when, as a child, as I saw these patients and I saw the, the structure of the hospital, I could feel what the staff were feeling. I could feel what they needed. I could feel what the, what the patients needed. And I could see where the gaps were. And I actually had conversations with my mother when I was quite young about what I was seeing. So I think that's where some of the intuition started. So I grew up in Massachusetts, uh, a very beautiful, beautiful state, um, actually in Concord, Mass, uh, only a mile away from Walden Pond, where Henry mm. David Thoreau lived. So my playground was was Walden Pond, and and the not too just, shabby, <laughs> not too shabby at all. And the and the beauty of life in in at that time rural New England. But I was also connected to all of the the intellectual stimulation of being around Cambridge, around Harvard, around some of the other other places that exist and still do exist in Massachusetts. And I felt that there was a part of me that was invited to speak and invited to come out. And in the, in the private schools that I went to, which were not colloquial schools, they were, there was such, such a combination of a very deep learning with integrity and with the with the outlook that each individual student counted and they mattered. So I really, I really feel that that framed my, my, the way I look at things. So there, there's one other thing that's very important about my upbringing. My mother being a doctor in the early, late 40s, early 50s, was quite concerned about polio. Um, no one was sure that the polio vaccine would work when it did come out. And so she was looking for a place for my sisters and I to spend the, spend the summers that was far, far away from any of the, you know, the, the, the debris of germs. And I say germs in quotes. Uh, mm -hmm. So, so my parents bought a very small Island in Northern Ontario on the, on the, in Georgian Bay, which is an off offshoot, is a smaller lake on Lake Huron, where they could take us and we would sit on this island and be not and not be exposed to anything. So I grew up three months of every summer for my whole childhood, right up until I was twenty, sitting on this beautiful island, playing in pristine water that I still drink, uh, living outside in the sun with the animals, with the birds, with the mosquitoes, uh, and and being, being there for that length of time every year of my life showed me how integral every system of, of the earth is um, you know, compared to and in combination with humans, with human life. And and I learned there to be in, a, in an open and meditative and intuitive state just simply by being there. So, so those are some of the those are some of the the early influences for me. Later on in life, I attended a college called Friends World College, in which you go to different centers, to different places around the world, and you create your own learning experience. Mm. So so one of my experience, my first experience was to go and, and assist with some medical friends of my mother's at the University of Nevada who were leading and teaching a course for pre-med, pre-nursing, um, all forms of medical assistance uh, careers, teaching them how to listen to people, how to listen to themselves first, how to listen to people. And then we actually went into a community and created a, a local medical, you know, sort of medical place where people could come for services. So I assisted with that course when I was only 17 and really came to understand what happens when people need something, what happens when people feel sick and, and what happens as they try to integrate with the systems that already exist. Um, and my next, the next most important, um, what we used to call them projects at, at Friends World College was that I went to India and I lived there for two years 
watching what people did when they were ill, watching what people did when they were sick. So I looked at Ayurveda. I looked at at the, the local Indian shamans. I looked at snake worship. I looked at all of the traditional and non-traditional ways that people looked and worked with and functioned with their own illness and the people that they felt would help them. I learned a lot about faith, about faith healing, about faith in in one's own um, religion to, to and how that can be integrated into healing. Uh, so, and, and I learned an awful lot then as well about yoga and about meditation. And I, and so I think that sort of summarizes the main influences that have, that have brought me to where I am. It certainly does. And it gives us a very nice picture of that. I'm, I'm picturing you. I I don't know if I should be saying this on the air. I guess we can edit this out. I'm picturing you naked on the Island. Always. (laughs) (laughs) Purely as a, an innocent child developing in nature mm-hmm. exactly that's exactly how i grew up <laughs> oh, that's great um, so now you've had all these influences and then now you have to make a choice as to what you want to be when you grow up mm. and you become a life awareness counselor and a master intuitive give us a little bit of how that actually came into being what you did for that sure well i always thought that i was going to be a doctor as you did Please excuse that sound. Um, So I realized in talking to my mother that it was very hard to be a woman and to have children and to fit into the medical medical profession. Mm-hmm. That no one, no one had ever taught her how to be a professional and to have a family as well. So I started to shy away from that, knowing that I felt that healing was really important, knowing that I knew that I could heal. And I could interpret and intuit what people needed for their own healing. Uh, I didn't at that time, it's very interesting how this works. I didn't know about naturopathy or homeopathy. It, it hadn't crossed my 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 scan yet. I hadn't, I hadn't seen it. So I didn't jump into that, which I think I probably would have. So instead, I, I did what felt right next, which was to start to work with people with you know special needs. And I don't know what the, the term these days is to, to be most respectful about that. But I started to work in big institutions where there were people with emotional, um, you know, mental, physical needs that were, that were, they couldn't be at home, couldn't live on their own. And I quickly discovered that the part of my heart that opened to, to I, I suppose it was a form of empathy, but it was deeper than that. I could get right inside the hearts of anyone who, who couldn't communicate and couldn't, couldn't speak or, or show me what they needed and what they wanted. So I did that for a number of years. Then I had two children um, and then went back into, into doing that as well as doing what we call home care or home support. So for many, many years, I worked in home support with essentially mostly elderly people who I found the same thing with. I, I, could, I related to them on a cellular energetics um, way about what was happening inside them. I could listen to, a, to their voice and know where the pain was. And that sort of thing started to happen to me. And and then eventually, when I when I took a course to become a Bach flower remedy counselor, and and started to work with the Bach flower remedies, the woman who who taught the course, who at that time was working in New York City with the Ministry of Angels, kept mentioning angels, angelic communication, speaking with the angels, and I thought, oh, that that's just this just like the best Christmas present I could possibly imagine. So I asked her about it and she explained that she spoke with people's angels, with guardian angels, with the angels and the guardians of the earth, with devas, with fairies, with with whatever um 
being of that sort there was and received information for people. So I went to one of her courses, which synchronistically (laughs) was happening the next weekend. And as soon as I asked a question and opened to the, to the possibility that there was an answer there for me, I was flooded with reams of, of words, with information and with sensations that accompanied it. From that point on, I started to listen to the angels and, and they instructed me um, how to start to hear information for my family, then for friends, then then to turn it into a, you know to an actual career, and and from there it just goes on and on and on. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk. Uh, I have so many questions right now, obviously, but I want to try and stay on my own path here. Uh, let's start talking about intuition itself. Uh, give us a definition or a description. Okay. And I think I'll probably come at this from different from different directions. Sure. And I want and I want you to know that as I'm describing how I see intuition, I am not thinking about this. I am going to let flow through whatever comes through intuitively in the moment for me to for me to say or Excellent. to describe. So for me, intuition is a heartfelt thing. It's it is it is the truth Literally, it is the truth about everything as we are able to interpret it and feel it as it comes through our heart centers. When we have an intuitive thought or an intuitive hunch, we may not know that it has has entered our cognizance or our awareness through our hearts, but I want to emphasize that it has. So I've said a couple things. It's, It's heartfelt communication and it is truth. The language of intuition is not one that the mind creates. It's not one that has any sort of of um, concrete word description or definition. It is how we find ourselves knowing from the deepest center of ourselves, which is connected to and inseparable from the center of all that is, however one wants to look at that. It could be the center of your god or goddess. It could be the center of the universe. It could be the earth that's, that's bringing in, in intuitive information. But it, but it is always about your truth, the truth of being and the truth of absolute and, and unquenchable, undeniable love. Does that help, Glenn? <laughs> It does. Uh, and, and of course, it brings up more questions. Uh, I, I need to know, there are many people that I've worked with uh, emotionally, physically, psychologically, that hear voices and are hearing people tell them things. And many of these people are being placed on medications because they're hearing voices. What's the difference between someone who's schizophrenic hearing voices and someone like yourself who is here? Are you hearing voices or feeling voices? How do we know the difference there? Okay, it's an excellent, excellent question. And I know that sometimes when people start to work with intuition, and I know we'll continue the conversation about this too, but as people start to ask for intuitive information, the the sense of it arriving 
can often be quite scary. And, and since schizophrenia is something that we all are apprehensive about, it's no wonder that it's a scary thing. It's, it, it can be, it, it's unusual. We don't know anything about it. If we were taught as children to believe in that inspiration that comes through us in many different ways, we would not be afraid of it as we are sometimes now. Mm. Okay, so is it voices? I don't hear voices per se. I all of a sudden know something. If I'm looking at a person who's in pain, emotional or physical, and I hear something from them, I am, I am receiving a knowing. My intuition is bringing that to me in the form of just, aha, I see that in you now. I understand that. It's a knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, I can ask, when I, when I speak to the angels and I ask for, for specific information, I hear them also as a knowing, but I sense their I sense their presence as one would when one is in a, a state of complete and utter bliss from meditation or from something else that makes one blissful. When when I ask specifically for information about another individual, I sometimes hear the the tenor or the tone of their voice or their mood, but it's not the same as hearing voices per se. I, from, from what I understand from speaking with people who are schizophrenic, much of the time the information is brilliant and the, and the, the understanding is brilliant on certain levels, but it's not generally something or always something that feels loving or that makes them feel at one with whatever that voice is delivering. And, and I would say that when one is truly working with their intuition, there is a there's a complete safety in it. There's a there's a sense that there's nothing malevolent that could that could happen through that voice or or because of that because of the voice of the information, however that is. One more thing about intuition: um, we can receive intuition in in a myriad in myriad ways. It can come through through the voice of a friend. It can come through a, a newspaper that flashes by and gives us information. It can come because a dog comes up to us and, and, and wags its tail and looks up at us eagerly. Intuition is not limited in any way as to how it can be delivered. And each of us has our own form of receiving it. And, and that is, that's the primary thing that I like to focus on with people when I'm teaching them how to, how to receive um, information through their intuitions. We're going to be getting we're going to be getting into you teaching us a little bit about intuition. But you mentioned children. Um, mm-hmm. When we're born, do we all have intuition? Yeah, I would say absolutely. Uh, even yes, yeah, we come here with it. It, it is one of the primary, um, most beautiful things that we as humans actually actually come here with. So what into these physical bodies? So what do we do as parents and as teachers to recognize that in children and have them not fear it? Hmm, beautiful, beautiful question. The, the, one of the most important things is to always listen, to truly, openly, um, with, with enthusiasm and consideration and respect, listen to what the children are saying to us. Even if it feels like a fantasy to us, does that really matter? Does it matter if if something that could that could be their intuition speaking to them from other realms and from the realm around us? Does it matter if it seems fantastical to us? You know what? It doesn't matter at all. What matters is that the child feels that they can 
explain what they're seeing, explain what they're feeling, and explain what they're believing, regardless of what the subject is. And that we will take that information and either say, that's really interesting, can you tell me more? Or say, hmm, is, is this what it's like for you? Rather than shutting them down and, and trying to put some sort of strange external configuration on what it is that they're trying to tell us. If, if we allow them to be open, if we allow them to flow with what's flowing for them, then they won't become shut down. If, if we can sometimes stop the dialogue that we, that we have with kids and let, let the moment be as well, you'll see that, that kids are receiving all the time from places that we as adults don't often um, even um, acknowledge anymore. Do you think we shut that down? I think that we're taught to shut it down. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that there isn't enough of an offering from from most of this much of the school systems, from much of the adult dialogue, from a great part of, of traditional religion. I believe that there isn't enough of an invitation to keep that flowing. Do you think there should be a balance? I always look at combinatorial medicine, uh, mm-hmm. and I think that uh, people should have intuition, but people should also have an understanding of the science of life also. Do you I, see I would, it as a balance? Yeah, I, I, see, 